Hey, y'all, how you doing? Everybody good? All right. All right. Hey, let me have the ushers come forward and help us with tithes and offerings. And while they're coming, let me just tell you that this week uh, we had the opportunity to sit down with our coach who coaches our church planters. And, um, and I got to tell you, there, it's just so amazing what God is doing. Uh, I, I, outside of what we discussed there and outside of what, you, what, what um, I've often talked to you about, you need to know that this weekend... We have a church in Virginia that is discussing becoming a part of the New Life Network because they want to become a hub for us in a city we are currently not in. So we, are go- we, are, we may end up with a place where we can start planting churches from, and we don't even have to start from scratch. Come on now, that's the Holy Spirit. So I'm saying, I also need you to know that we've been able to w- start working with a guy who's ready to plant a church. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's in this and all over this. And he's all the way over on the Eastern Shore. And we're going to be partnering with him as well. Not to mention the fact that I started texting again this week in, in, with, with Pastor Jervy, who's getting, wi- who's getting wound up to start something in Texas City, Texas. That's not even to mention the fact that we're talking with a guy who's going to start in the fall of next year in King George, Virginia, which is right here. We got y'all, y'all, y'all. I'm just telling you, God's good and God's doing powerful things. And I just need you to know that that's happening. So pray with me. Father God, thank you for all that you do. Let us follow you the way we should, and we will give you praise for everything we do. Lord, take every dollar and every dime, take every gift and every giver and bless it. And we will give you praise in your name. We pray. And everybody said, amen. Y'all, I forgot to empty my pocket. So let me do that real quick. There we go. That'll drive me nuts if I leave that in there. I am way too ADHD to have anything in my pockets, especially change. That would mess me up. Um, We talked last week about prayer. We started a conversation about prayer last week, and and we're going to continue that conversation. I want to say from the very start that um, I want to encourage you, if you've not yet done so, to take part in a class on prayer that is going on at any one of your campuses. If you're at La Plata, that class will happen on Wednesday nights at 6.30 in the theater room. Our other campuses, I want you to make sure you take part in anything that helps you to build into prayer. Y'all, last Wednesday night, after announcing this one time last week, last week we had 50 people in our prayer class last Wednesday night. Y'all, God's going to use that. He's going to use that powerfully, and we want you to get connected to prayer in the same way. Because I'm convinced, again, as I said last week, that prayer is that missing piece to what God can and wants to do in your life in so many Christians' lives. This is your connectivity piece to the Holy Spirit. This is your connectivity piece to God himself. And when you neglect prayer, you neglect the one relationship that can bring power into your life. You need to pray in order to find power. I want you to do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I mean, come on now, get rude and point at your neighbor and say, you need to pray. Because prayer is where you're going to find power. And if you're lacking power in your spiritual life, I'm telling you the first place to look is at your prayer life. How's that going? And if your prayer life is not going well, that probably is is an indication of of why the power is missing. I just need you to know that, okay? You say, preacher, you start to sound like a Pentecostal. Well, no, I'm not. But I I am telling you that we are facing an a, how do I say this? We are facing a new moment that, uh, that, that has a Pentecostal-type power 
to it. And I don't want anybody to freak out. We're not going to start running aisles and lighting stuff on fire. That's not what we're going to do. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is there is a power that we need to understand and tap into. And I need to help you understand how to tap into it because I don't want you to overplay it because you're from a Pentecostal background. Nor do I want you to run away from it because you're afraid of it because you're not from a Pentecostal background. So I need to walk us through this. So I need you here. There are times when a pastor preaches, and I do that a lot because, because I, I, preaching is my thing, and that, that, that's what I believe God's called me to. I preach a lot. There are other times when a pastor simply focuses on teaching. I need you to allow me to teach this weekend. I need you to allow me just to teach. I don't, don't get me wrong. It'll, it'll feel preachy because I'm a preacher. I'm telling you, I, I yell at my kids in three-point outline form. You know what I'm saying? I still do that. So, so, so you got to understand that, that it's still going to feel pre- preachy because I'm a preacher. But, but I need to teach you something, and I want to show you something. Because what I want to deal with is we dealt last week with, with practical prayer. Finding prayer, finding power in prayer and how to practically understand that, how to practically apply that. We talked about that last week. But what I want to talk to you about this week is prayer in prophecy. Now, wait, pause. Some of you want to run out the door right now because I use the word prophecy. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to turn this off. We're going to talk about some things that will be uncomfortable for those who are not from a Pentecostal background. But I want you to hear me. We're also going to talk about things that if you are from a Pentecostal background, I'm probably going to redefine some phrases for you, and I'm probably going to show you some things in Scripture that you've not seen that way before. And I want you to understand that, okay? So I'm going to be an equal opportunity ticker offer today, (laughs) all right? So we're going to hit both sides, and I need all of you to hear it, and I need you to hear it. Listen, I want everybody to hear me. I don't want you to listen for what you have heard in your past. I want you to listen for what you will hear out of your Bible. Because this is all going to be Bible. Okay, this is all going to be Bible. And I, I'm not going to make up anything. I'm going to define words from you from Bible. I'm gonna, look, at you, look at your neighbor and say, this is all Bible. Tell your neighbor that. Okay, so, so that means this ain't going to sound like a normal Wesleyan sermon, but it's also, it also might not square up with what you've heard elsewhere because, hmm, Sometimes the church gets a whole lot more into what it prefers than it does to what the Bible says. And we're not going to do that. Okay. We're not going to do that. One more time. Look at your neighbor and say, this is all Bible. Tell your neighbor that. Now I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to uh, first, I'm sorry, to first Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians, if you've got a Bible or if you've got a Bible app, I want you to open it because I'm going to show you some things in scripture we're going to teach today. Okay, I'm going to show you some things in Scripture I want you to see. Now, as you're getting to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I want, I, want, I want to give you some background. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is going to deal with the same issues all the way through chapters 12, 13, and 14. As he begins chapter 12, he is dealing with the issue of spiritual gifts. He's talking to us about spiritual gifts and how spiritual gifts should work in our lives and how they edify or build up the whole body of Christ. As he's talking about spiritual gifts, 
he gives a list of them and he clearly states that not everybody has every gift. And what? Watch, I want to show you something. There's no one gift that everybody has and there's no one person that has every gift. Y'all all right? That's an important thing to know because if there's no one gift that everybody has, and there's no one person that has everybody that has every gift. We need each other. And in the midst of telling that story, he begins with the body analogy. He says, the head can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And the eye can't say the ear, I don't need you. Every part of the body matters and every part of the body is given a gift because that is a gift or a strength that comes to the body that is the body of Christ, that is the church. Everybody's got that? Look at your neighbor, say you're part of the body. Tell your neighbor that. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Look at your neighbor, say, and you matter. Okay, everybody listen to me. You might be a big toe. You say, well, I don't want to be a big toe. Well, you'd be in a world of hurt without big toes. You know what I'm saying, right? We got to understand that every part of the body matters. And so, so, so we are all part of the same body. Now watch. He goes through all of that and he gets to the end of chapter 12 and he says, watch, listen to verse 30 of chapter 12. Do all have gifts of healing? Do all, do all, have, do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Watch what he says. Listen to what he says. Last verse of chapter, of, of, of chapter 12. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now remember, I need you to pause and remember that, that when Paul wrote this, he didn't have chapters and verses. He just wrote a letter. So he says, now I'm going to show you. He talks about gifts. He talks about the body. He says, now I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 starts, which says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. This is the love chapter. He says, hey, 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 seek the greatest gifts. And by the way, let me show you the most excellent way. And he talks about love. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a clanging gong, resounding gong or clanging cymbal. And then he goes through all of this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Goes through all of that. Love, 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 love. There's the, there, everybody's got gifts. We're all part of one body. Love each other. And then we get down to chapter 14, which is where we're going to camp. Now look, chapter 14, he starts right here. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Do you see what he's doing? He's balancing. He's juxtaposing the power gifts of the Spirit. Because let's make no mistake. When we talk about tongues, when we talk about prophecy, when we talk about healing, when we talk about miracles, these are the power gifts of the Spirit. And they are real. Okay? I need you to understand that. They are real. When those things happen, there are the power gifts. They must be balanced with love. If they are not practiced in and balanced with love, they are not of God. It's really that simple. Because God clearly shows us that this is the balance. Between the two chapters on power gifts, the Apostle Paul talks about love. You need to understand that. You need to unpack that. You need to understand, oh, you're just trying to change chapter 14 with chapter 13. The apostle didn't put in chapters. He's teaching us something. 
And he wants us to understand it in order. Now watch, chapter 1, chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people, listen, for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I need you to understand that over the years, because this is uncomfortable because over the years, we have misdefined both the word prophecy from a biblical standpoint and the word tongues from a biblical standpoint. We have misunderstood and misdefined both of them. Now, I don't mean to freak anybody out, and I don't want to upset anybody, okay? I need you to hear me. But we have understood, stay with me, we've understood both tongues and prophecy, y'all stay with me, not from a point of biblical Christianity, but from a point of witchcraft. We as Americans do not hear spiritual conversation any longer from a biblical perspective. We hear it from a witchcraft perspective. Our media has done this to us. Our media always shows us spiritual power from a perspective of pagan ritual. You say, no, 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 no. That's not what they do. Yes, they do that. Every show does that. I, 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 I love Disney as much as anybody. I know all the Disney songs. I'm a musician, so I love Disney. Everybody's got it, right? I love Disney. Disney always does this. They do not show you spiritual power from a biblical perspective. They show you spiritual power from a pagan perspective. And therefore, when we, everybody stay with me. Therefore, when we hear the word prophecy, we define it as fortune telling. Come on now. And that is not what the Bible means by it. Yeah. Nowhere in the Bible is that what it means. In the Bible, there is a fortune teller. It's a girl who is possessed by a demon. And she tells fortunes and Paul casts the demon out of her. You said, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, the prophets always, no, no, no. The prophets, the prophets didn't say what you think. The prophets, Elijah said, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. Why? Because God told Elijah it's not going to rain. God said to Elijah, pray that it doesn't rain. He prayed it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain. Elijah did not say, I believe this is what's going to happen. Elijah said, I already know what God defined. This is what already is. And he said, and when God tells me I can pray for rain, I'll pray for rain and it'll rain again. He's not predicting. He's defining. I need you to understand that. I need you to say, now, now stop, stop. Everybody stay with me because somebody's turning me off right now. Stay with me. There are times once in a long while when prophecy becomes predictive. But that is not the general way prophecy is used in Scripture. You've got to stop hearing biblical terms from the perspective and definitions of witchcraft. 
You got to stop it. And I know you don't know you're doing it. But you, but you are, and it's got to stop. We've avoided, we've, speaking in tongues the same way. We view this as somehow some kind of uh, Hollywood thing where like, a beam of light and all of a sudden. That is not what the Bible says that's supposed to be like at all. I need you to understand that. that watch, watch, watch. Prophecy is less a matter of predictive then it is a matter of additive. God is adding to the conversation something that will help you understand one another and understand him. Watch. You say, where are you getting all this? Well, look. Just read it. Verse 3. Verse 3. Verse 3 says very clearly, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Nowhere here does it say the one who prophesies speaks to people so that they will know what the winning lottery numbers are. Y'all all right? It does not say, but the one who prophesies speaks to people so that they will know what's going to happen tomorrow. It doesn't say that. It says the one who prophesies speaks to people for their, for, their, for their strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. And if you jump to verse 31, if you go down to verse 31, you'll find another word here where it says that, it says that for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Y'all, can I be honest with you? Prophecy must be purposeful. And the purpose is always to strengthen, to encourage, to uplift, and to instruct. Y'all, I've had moments in my life where God has used me in the prophetic. I am not a prophet. Everybody's got that? I'm not. But I've had moments where God used me that way. And here's how it happened. I walk up, and somebody's talking to me, and they're struggling with this. Struggle, 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 struggle. And I say, hey, can I ask you a question? What? Are you doing this? How'd you know that? Oh, the Holy Spirit just told me you're doing this. See what just happened? It's not a matter of being predictive. It's a matter of being instructive and additive to the conversation. So that now we are building into someone. Now all of a sudden the conversation that wasn't going anywhere because someone wasn't dealing in honesty can make a step forward because the Holy Spirit said, here's your problem. And I go, hey, is that the problem? And they go, oh, how'd you know that? God told me. That freaks people out, by the way. But it happens from time to time. It doesn't happen every day. Some of y'all are like, I ain't never talking to him again. <laughs> it's not that way. It's not that way. Go back to King David. When, when the prophet came to King David, when the prophet Nathan came to King David, because King David had taken Bathsheba as his wife and killed Uriah, he got her pregnant while Uriah was at war. And then when Uriah wouldn't go sleep with her to, to hide the pregnancy, he killed Uriah and married Bathsheba to try to hide his sin. Nathan comes up to him, tells him a story. David gets mad and Nathan says, you're the problem. You did this. And he goes, how'd you know that? Well, the Holy Spirit showed me that. God showed, you see that? It's not a matter. So Y'all are like, oh, I want that gift. I want to beat people up. Oh, that's the other problem. 
The other problem is that sometimes people that have the gift of prophecy think they have the gift of being a jerk. Wow, yeah. Wow. And being a prophet is not the same thing as being a jerk. Again, let me say, look at these words, encourage, strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. None of that comes from a jerk. Y'all all right? That's good. All right, I need you to understand this. Everybody listen to me. Everybody listen to me. Because we misunderstand these words, we have traded the miraculous for the manipulative. Ooh, Jesus. And we've got to stop it. Okay. If anyone is using what they call a prophetic gift to manipulate you, that's not of God. They need to use a prophetic gift to strengthen, encourage, comfort, and instruct you. And if they use it for anything else, it's not of God. So stop hearing the word fortune teller and start hearing the word encourager. You say, but if God, y'all, 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 let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you. Okay, let, 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 let's keep reading. I got stories. Oh, I got stories. Let's keep reading. Go jump with me. Now look, verse 14, chapter 14. We get to here. He talks about speaking in tongues. He talks about prophecy. A whole bunch of this now from, from verse four, where we stopped reading all the way down to verse 12 is all about speaking in tongues. Let me, let me sum it up for you. People that speak in tongues need to do it in an orderly fashion and there needs to be interpretation so that it's not just a whole bunch of words that nobody understands being blabbed off. Right. That's right. Okay. I'm just going to say that speaking in tongues. I'm not opposed to it. Everybody listen to me. I don't have that gift. It's never happened to me. God's never given me that gift. I really don't think God ever will. I've asked him for it. I've talked to him about it. He and I have talked about it over and over again. I've been to services where I knew somebody was going to lay on hands and try to give it to me. I've had people come up to me and say, I pray every day God gives you the gift of tongues. And it never has happened. Why would it not happen? Because I believe God needs me to stand in the middle of people that don't believe it's real and people that know it's real and tell them they can all live in the same place. Now, I'm telling you, this, the gifts of the Spirit are real, but they're misunderstood. Okay? So, so, so the idea is not, I, I've been in many services where people spoke in tongues. I've never been in a service where it was done biblically. I've just been in services, where, I've been in services where the pastor is preaching along and all of a sudden, blah, 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 and then he just kept preaching. That is not what 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says ought to happen. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, if all of y'all get together for church and start speaking in tongues, won't a visitor think you're crazy? Can I get a witness? You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all that never grew up in a Pentecostal church, you showed up one Sunday and it scared you half death. People are crazy. They're not crazy. They're just not doing it right because there needs to be an interpretation. Now, that's not our sermon, but I need you to know a lot of this chapter is going to deal with that, and I'm not going to read that part. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 said, so it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the spirit, try to excel in those gifts that build up the church. And then he spends a bunch more verses talking about speaking in tongues and how that ought to be, how that ought to be controlled. Then he comes down, jump down with me, jump down with me all the way to, to, to verse 29. Let's go, let's go down to verse 29. I'm sorry. No, I want to go to verse, I want to go to verse, I want to go to verse 25. Verse 25, what then shall we say? 
brothers and sisters. When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Some of y'all don't understand this because you came to church here, but I need you to, I need you to know that in smaller churches, way back when I was coming along, you'd come to church and somebody would walk in the room and say, preacher, the Lord has given me a song for today, so I'm going to sing it. Okay. <laughs> Usually the pastor needed to say no. because it was not of the Lord. <laughs> and you could tell once they started to sing. As the pastor, you'd be sitting there, they'd start singing, you'd look up into heaven and God was going, oh. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, y'all, this, this is what he's saying. All of you come in with this stuff. He, said, he, said, he says, you come in with a word of instruction, a revelation, a, a, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Somebody say amen. amen. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time. I've been in service where all around me, people are it's like, it's crazy. It's like, it's like you're in the mall in Annapolis or something. It's such a multicultural world we live in. Sometimes I go to the mall in Northern Virginia around here. It's like, yeah, you hear everything but English. And it's like, that's kind of cool on the one hand. On the other hand, what if they're talking about me? <laughs> Sorry, that's not the lesson. One, one, the, the, that most three should speak one at a time. And someone, look at the word. What the, the next word says, must. Someone must interpret. I've never been in a service where anybody interpreted can I be honest with you? If you speak in a tongue and somebody doesn't interpret, that's not of the Lord. You're speaking out of your excitement, not the Lord's leading. Y'all all right? Everybody brace yourself. It's going to be all right. Look at your neighbor and say, preacher loves you. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I need you, I need you to understand that. If, some, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak in one, of, uh, one at a time and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself or herself and to God. See what it's saying? I didn't make this up. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, this is Bible. Tell your neighbor that. I'm not making this up. These are not the words of Pastor Mike. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. Okay, so let's keep reading. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Whoa! Hold up. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully. Watch. Prophecy must be, must be purposeful. That was our first one. But secondly, prophecy must be tested. This word, weigh carefully, I put the Greek in your outline. I put the Greek there in your outline, diakrino, weigh carefully. It means to separate, to make distinction, to discriminate, to prefer, to learn by discrimination, to try, to decide, to, to determine, to give judgment. Do you realize that if I read this to you from the King James Version, it would say one prophet, one prophet should speak and the others should judge what is being said. See, here's the problem. Because we've left the miraculous for the manipulative, what happens is somebody comes with a prophecy and they think you've got to listen to what I say and if you don't, you're, you're disobeying God. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says one prophet should speak and the others should discern, should weigh carefully, should unpack. 
That means that if you give a prophecy that everybody else disagrees with, you're not being prophetic, you're being opinionated. Church? You say, well, I, I believe this is what God said. Well, if none of the other people who are listening to God as well agree with you, there's a problem somewhere. Well, it's their problem. You remember the kid that got called to the principal's office? And the teacher said he cannot get along with class. I don't know what to do with him anymore. He cannot get along with class. The principal looked at the kid and said, well, what's wrong? She's wrong. The rest of the class can't get along with me. Church? Can I be honest? This is not about being manipulative. This is about adding life to people. That's what God's going to use the prophetic to do. Y'all, I've had people come to me before and say, I'm the prophet and God's going to speak to you through me and you have to listen to what I say. And if you don't listen to what I say, you're not following God. And I immediately turn those folks off. I've got to. I can't listen to that. Because that, there's no humility there. You remember last week we talked about humility? God doesn't lift up the proud. God brings down the proud. He lifts up the humble. There's got to be humility inside of prophecy. And if there's not humility inside of prophecy, your prophecy is not prophecy. It's opinion. And I got opinions about all kinds of things. I'm a very opinionated person. But my opinion, y'all, I have opinions on who's going to win the Super Bowl this year. But those words are not from God. I'm pretty certain because I'm, I've always been wrong, you know? And so, so, so I, I just, I, I just, that's not of God. You can have opinions about everything. I have opinions on how to fix the United States of America. I have opinions on how to fix the whole world. You know, I have opinions on how to fix Haiti. I've only visited there twice, but I got opinions. You know what I'm saying? I got opinions on everything. I got opinions on how to fix the Redskins. None of that is from God. Because when it comes to the Redskins or the Panthers, I don't think God cares. I think God say like, play ball. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you see what I'm saying, right? Uh, you can have opinions, but that's not, that's not prophecy. And you've got to know the difference. And if you don't know the difference, you're going to cause pain and disruption, and you're going to cause division inside the church. And that is, that is what Paul is avoiding in chapter 14. These words that are un underlined way carefully what is said. Everybody listen to me. If somebody brings you something that's supposed to be prophetic, you weigh it carefully. Because God's not, oh, can I, oh, listen, listen to me, listen to me. God's not going to send a word to you from somebody else that he hadn't already said to you himself. That's the way prophecy works. Somebody will come up to me and say, Pastor Mike, I, I'm not sure why I need to tell you this. Can I tell you this? And they'll tell me and I'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. I, that, I, I, it comes from all kinds of people. It never comes from just one person. Never, 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 never. Somebody say, look at your neighbor say never. Never, 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 never let one person be a prophet in your life. Because if you do, you've just chosen a human being to take the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. That'll destroy you. Don't ever let that happen. The Holy Spirit will speak to you through multiple people. 
because it's his voice, not theirs, that you need to listen to. Do you hear it? All right, I got, I got, I got, I got just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Look, it says two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you, you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Watch, verse 32, watch. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. I'm going to read it again. For the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And in all the congregation, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. I have people sometimes say to me, well, all you're doing is quenching the spirit. Oh, oh, okay. Let me tell you where that phrase comes from. It comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Where it says right here, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Verse 20, this, that's verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Verse 20, do not treat prophecies, prophecies with contempt. You say, pastor, you're trying to quench the spirit. Whoa, 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 read verse 21, which says, but test them all and hold on to what is good. Look at your neighbor, say, it's Bible. Everybody's got it, right? we got to understand that. I'm not quenching the spirit. In fact, how, in, how is it possible that Paul would tell us in Thessalonians, do not quench the spirit by instructing us in 1 Corinthians how to quench the spirit? He's not. He's instructing us in 1 Corinthians how to let the spirit move inside the church by allowing order to exist inside the church so people can hear the Holy Spirit speak when they're there. How are they ever going to hear the Holy Spirit speak if every one of us is blabbing off in a tongue that nobody can understand? And how are they ever going to hear the Holy Spirit speak if all of us are trying to say a prophecy at the same time? No, one speaks, the rest, the rest, the rest will judge as to what's going on. The, re the rest will weigh carefully. Y'all, you know how y'all know how I have a debate among Christians? If you get in a smaller group with me, do you know how this works? If you're with me very long, you'll figure out. I use the phrase, I speak in absolutes. I don't always mean it in absolutes. I use that phrase a lot. What that means is if we're having a debate in the room, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw a grenade in the middle of the debate. I'm just going to say, here. And then I'm going to listen to everybody argue about what I just said and decide if I agree with myself. And when it's over with, I might not agree with me. You say, why would you do that? Because I need to throw a simple phrase out, let it be debated, and let it be weighed carefully by people who hear the voice of God and want to follow the God of heaven and then see how that debate comes out. And then together we will know what the will of the Lord is. And not just know what the will of Mike is or know what the will of Billy Bob is or know what the, you see what I'm saying? We don't need the will of anybody else. We need the will of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get that together by hearing from the, we need to pray that God will give some people words, words that other people don't understand, but that they understand that they can then build into somebody's life with. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit will give some people insight and knowledge that they could not have on their own so that they can add to the discussion. You say, I'm scared of tongues and prophecy. Don't be. It's all from the Holy Spirit. You need to pray that the Holy Spirit will use you this way. So I don't want gift of prophecy. I don't know what's going. I don't want to know what's going to happen next week. 
Have you not been listening? Let the Lord speak to you so he can speak through you. You say, well, I'm not a prophet. Not right this minute, but there'll come a moment. You say, well, I, 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 I don't have good words. Not right this minute, but there'll come a moment. God wants to move through all of us in power. And he wants to use that power to build the church and build the Christians around us. The question is, are you going to let him? Are you going to trust him? And are you going to be willing to understand and weigh out whether you are being prophetic or opinionated? Watch. Prophecy must be purposeful. Then it will be strengthening, encouraging, comforting, and instructing. Prophecy must be tested, which means it's got to be weighed carefully. And prophecy must be controlled. Why? Because the spirit of a prophet is subject to the control of the prophet because God is not the author of chaos but of order. Amen. Friends, I know that a sermon like this is not the sermon you really want to hear. I know that teaching like this is something that you're like, come on preacher, can't you just talk about God forgiving my sins? I like that. And can't you just talk about God, I don't know, delivering? I tell you what preacher, just let me come down front and you smack me in the forehead. I mean, you see what I'm saying? I know that's what we'd prefer. But the truth is what we've got to learn to do is walk in power. Because when we walk in the true power of the presence of the Spirit of God, the world around us can be changed by him, not us. The world around us can be changed by his insight and revelation given through us, not just our opinions that we spout out. The world around us can be changed by words that he gives us that we would not know otherwise not just words we want to shout because they're what we feel like. We need to surrender, and this is all part of prayer. That's when God's going to give this to you, is when you're praying. I got to tell you, I've had people come up to me and tell me that they're the prophet and I have to listen to them, and I dismiss them. But I've had a lot of other people just a couple weeks ago, I was at a particularly low point. And I was waiting for God to send all the normal, normal avenues, a text from this person or a call from the other person. There are two or three avenues that are fairly normal in my life. You weigh every one of them, but there are two or three that are fairly normal. And none of those came through. And I thought, oh, Lord, have you forgotten me? And I sat down with Pastor Chris Bryan. And Pastor Chris, in the middle of a sentence, dropped a phrase. And in that phrase, the Holy Spirit, Spirit said, there it is. And I went, oh, thank you. In that moment, Pastor Chris Bryan was a prophet. If you ask him if he's a prophet, he will laugh at you. But in that moment, God used him in the prophetic because he said something he could not possibly have known was the words I needed to hear. That's what you need to pray the Holy Spirit will do through you. Amen. Is that you become so surrendered to him that he will give you insight and wisdom in a moment that you could not naturally have. Yes. 
And when it falls out of your mouth, somebody else goes, how did you know that? And you go, I guess that's just God. Wouldn't that be powerful? Wouldn't the world be changed? Oh, 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 wouldn't your world be changed? Then they'll all follow me. Oh, now you're done. (laughs) Won't work anymore. Can't be about pride. Can't be about you. It's got to be about the Holy Spirit. Well, I know how I wanted it. I'll start telling them God said, that's manipulative. That's not miraculous. Well, I'm going to start just telling people what I, that's a jerk. We need to be a prophet. We need to be a prayers. We need to be people that speak languages that people understand. We need to be people used and surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Used by the Holy Spirit and surrendered to the Holy Spirit so that he can make a change in the world around us. Let me pray for you. Father God, I do not know how many in this room will concur with me. I do not know how many online will concur with me. I do not know how many at our venues will concur with me. I do not know who will agree and who will disagree. But I pray the power of the Holy Spirit on surrendered hearts to the point that we are able, Lord, to speak in a way that is given only by you with wisdom that only comes from you. I pray your power in our lives, not so that we would be lifted up, but so that we might hide behind you. I pray your words in our lives, not so that we might manipulate, but so that we might bring encouragement and comfort. I pray, Holy Spirit, your wisdom in our lives so that we can bring positive change. I pray that we would surrender to you to the point that you speak through us. Make us men and women and children who speak the words of God, even in the miraculous. And we will give you praise for we have done none of this and we are incapable of anything like this. Let us never fall into the manipulative, but let us also not avoid the miraculous. And we will give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen.